When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey out there rock and rollers, welcome to episode number 122 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Stateside Edition Rock Podcast, and I am your host, the Wolf, Mac B, back in the United States after years living in Europe, used to live right down the street from Abbey Road Studios, used to live in Amsterdam, now I'm back in the Midwest, trying to readjust to a very, very different world than the one I left four years ago. But to help guide me, as always, is my partner in crime and co-host, Gary Action Jackson, and he'll be joining us from the East Coast here before too long. But I really want to thank everybody for tuning in to last week's episode on Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind, which is turning 40. Hard to believe, but we got a lot of great reaction out of it, a lot of great downloads, some favorable reviews, and we really appreciate that, folks. Good reviews are really the lifeblood of helping us find new listeners, and we're trying to grow our show to reach as many rock fans as possible. So if you do like our show, we just implore you, hey, no matter where you get your podcast, it doesn't matter. iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast could be one of the big ones. It could be one of the smaller ones like Good Pods. Wherever you get your podcast, if you're thinking about it, please do give us a positive review because that's like gold. Me telling you how great it is doesn't do anything compared to a fellow listener who likes the show to go out there and say, hey, you know what? You guys should check these two out. They've got something going on. And we've got some great guests coming up that we're really excited about. Can't tell you about them just yet, but we are excited to have them on. So you'll have to tune in for that. But yes, please, if you're thinking about it, if you're willing to do so, go out wherever you get your podcast, give us a positive review like a few people did for our Iron Maiden show. And it was our seventh Iron Maiden show, our sixth album review on Iron Maiden. So there are a few others you can go back and check out as well. Now this week, it's, we're doing something a little bit different here. We're not going to do an album review. It just so happens that on St. Patrick's Day, you 2 were releasing Songs of Surrender, where they got together and kind of reworked a lot of their old songs kind of maybe transformed them into piano songs versus guitar songs, maybe stripped away a lot of the big rock bombast and and stripped them down to like their purest form. Maybe acoustic, like I said, maybe on piano, a lot more spare than they used to be. There's kind of a a, a 16 or 18 song version. I, of course, got the deluxe 40 song edition that had 10 songs for each member of the band. uh, And I thought that was cool. But we knew that was coming for a long time. What was kind of a surprise was... Also on the 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day, on Disney+, Plus, a show was released called Bono and the Edge, A Sort of Homecoming with Dave Letterman. I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. I wonder what that's about. It's not U2, because it doesn't say U2. And of course, as they got into it, they said, look, Larry was recovering from an injury. Adam was off making a movie. So we decided to get together on our own, Edge and Bono, that is, to celebrate these reworked songs and to do it in an intimate setting. So they had Dave come over for his first time ever coming to Ireland and not only interview them, but interview some other folks they work with and interview the man on the street, if they will. Interview the the guy who, who gave him his tour of Dublin. Interview the man at the store that was selling him a hat, right? Interview folks at 40 Foot who were out there jumping in the water, despite the fact that the water was freezing. Get to know Dubliners and Irish people and hear the stories about some of these songs. Plus, they kind of had two amazing performances that were part of this show. One was very well produced. is in a place called the Rotunda, which I believe was an old hospital. In fact, the hospital where Bono was born and many folks from Dublin were born, which has been converted into this space for performance. And they got together with musicians they knew, like Glenn Hansard, but also some student folks, they had some strings and some singers, you know, a bit of an orchestra in there to kind of rework these songs, even though it was usually just Bono singing an edge either on the acoustic guitar or maybe the piano. But there was also a performance in an Irish pub called, I believe, McDade's. 
which is about as old as the United States of America was. Uh, and again, they had some friends, uh, some great Irish artists uh, who were in there uh, to sing and play with them. And then they came in and, and did some songs, including Invisible, which was really amazing, to be honest with you. Very stirring, very poignant, and very, very cool. And that was an amazing setting to capture in this film. So hopefully you all have had a chance to see it. If you have it, I highly recommend it. If you can't get it on Disney+, Plus, well, you might be able to get some snippets on YouTube here and there. I, I think YouTube on their YouTube channel gives you an opportunity to watch it through some other service. So, so they're making it available to everyone. And we want you to check it out. We're going do a little walkthrough of it here. Now on to a brief bit of business. We always like to remind people that we're part of the Pantheon Podcast Network and you go to pantheonpodcast.com or at Pantheon Pods to learn about all the great shows on there. There's really something on there for everybody and we like to give shout outs to folks who we've either had on our show or we may have been on theirs like our sister Christy Alexander Hallberg of Rock is Lit, like Martin Popoff of History in Five Songs, like our dear friend Paul Stevenson of This Day Rocks and Vintage Rock Pod, like Jay from The Hook Rocks, like the Kiss Kings, Tom and Zeus of the Shout It Out Loudcast, who I guess are still in the middle of their March Madness Ultimate Kiss bracket, uh, which I know I'm not winning, but I'm still participating in, and that's great, guys. Uh, and of course, Christian Swain, the CEO of Rock and Roll Archaeology. But you've got to go and check out our sponsor, guys, rarevinyl.com. If you're a new listener, rarevinyl.com has been in business about four decades. They have a five-star rating. They have over a quarter of a million items in stock. So it's not just albums and CDs. They've got 45s. They've got DVDs. They've got tour programs. They've got posters. They've got point-of-sale promotion items from record stores from back in the day. It's amazing. I've been to their warehouse. I've met their team. They take great care in curating and collecting all this stuff, keeping it in good shape, and then shipping it all around the world. And the best thing is, if you use the code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you can save 10% off your orders. So that can knock the shipping right off. So whether you're in Australia or Alaska, you're a record collector, you're looking for something in pristine shape, maybe something hard to find, maybe a first edition kind of thing, go to rarevinyl.com, get on their list, get on their news list, and then if you find something you want, use that code PODCAST, save yourself 10%. Now back to this movie, story, show, I don't know really what you want to call it exactly, but it's pretty neat. It's You two are always considered the pilgrim's coming to the U.S. and learning about our culture and music. But this is more of a pilgrimage by David Letterman, his first trip to Ireland to better understand Irish history, Dublin's history, and U2's place in it. Obviously, he knew the boys pretty well from his time over the years on his show. So they had formed a friendship. But did he really understand their story in full? I think he has a much better appreciation for it now that he's done this show with them. Uh, and it was really special to hear how they had reworked these songs and what the songs mean to them and to understand a bit of their role in the history of transforming Ireland and Dublin into what it is today versus during the height of the Troubles in the 70s when they were growing up and forming their band. To today. So for Irish Americans who consider that an important part of your culture, I think you'll really appreciate this. You don't have to be Irish or American to enjoy the show. And I think if you love U2's music, you're going to love it as well. So let's jump in here. We're going to do a nice synopsis, walk through me and Jackson talking about Bono and the Edge, a sort of homecoming with David Letterman right here on The Wolf. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Well, so on St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we were served up with two helpings of U2 to brighten our spirits. And one is they released the Songs of Surrender, where the boys have kind of reworked some of their classic old songs. And I, I think there's a one-disc version where maybe there's 16 or 17 of them. But of course, you know me, I bought the deluxe four-disc version because they have one disc for each member of the band, 10 songs each. And a lot of times they've just, they've done them acoustically or they've transferred them to piano, maybe change the key, but they keep the chords kind of thing. They re-record these things. And we could talk about that kind of thing here in a second. But the really cool thing I thought to me was the special they did, and it was released here in America on Disney Plus, where Bono and the Edge, and it's really the first time that they have kind of done something without Larry and Adam. There you go. <laughs> Larry and Adam. It's called Bono and Edge, a sort of homecoming with David Letterman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where Dave goes to Ireland, I guess, for the first time and spends some time with him, does some interviews with him, obviously. But then they do a couple of, well, they do one show in a special place with a bunch of musicians, some of them students, some of them friends from around town, showing how they've reworked some of these classic tunes. What did you think? I mean, first of all, did you have a good St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> uh, sure. I was traveling back from on business. So, I mean, the flight went all right. So that was exciting. That's good. Uh, kind of had St. Patrick's Day the next day, but that's okay. But uh, the one thing that I saw from the beginning was Dave really enjoys being Dave. Like just that goofy, like right. I want to buy a wheel of cheese. You right. know, I want to buy a hat. I think his head size is about this. Just kind of, you know, I think he enjoys like, he was really, really famous a while ago. Right. Do you still remember who I am? Can I be a regular person? And so that that was, it was kind of an interesting mix between Bono and the Edge being serious about what they were doing. And then Dave kind of have, being his goofy Dave Letterman persona. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Dave has earned this second or even third act, maybe. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. he he can do whatever he wants. He's got the money and the time that he can go do whatever he wants. And then he wants to take the time to interview people, not only that he likes and knows, but people that he admires and, mm-hmm. and wants to learn more from and wants to see how they're continuing to grow and, and be their best selves. And U2's thing is always kind of like they're so earnest, right? And they're thinking about other people in the world versus some of the other rock stars who it's kind of me, me, me. <laughs> kind of thing but they also eventually did the balancing act like okay well once you're the biggest band in the world you're selling out stadiums you have to have some kind of an ego you know you you have to start it must change the way you write your songs to some degree right Mm -hmm. and we could talk a little bit about that here but i don't know i thought the whole thing was really well done and dave is kind of goofy but he he is a man of the people right he's not dressing up in like a four thousand dollar suit you know he's He's in sweatpants, he's wearing black, he's got his hat on, and he's just interested in speaking to people, you know? Mm-hmm. I uh, Two things that struck me right off the bat, uh, I am of Irish descent. I remember Correct. seeing the pictures of my great-grandparents coming across the uh, the Atlantic. I have no connection with Ireland, like I've never been there, I don't, it's not like I have family there that I talk to, but I see the, I see the pictures and it just kind of, there's something hard-coded on my DNA, I think I just feel it an attraction to that place. Like, Oh, I, I need to go there. I need to experience that. The other thing that I noticed too, is there were more, there were several shots of people drinking Guinness. Yep. The official beer of Ireland. And I just thought that must just be that much more delicious over there for whatever reason. You're just, it is, (laughs) it just tastes better. And I can't explain why exactly. And it takes them a little longer to pull it. You know, it comes out a little differently out of the Mm -hmm. spout. So if you're like a, a, a hardcore drinker, like I used to be, it's like, you, when, you know, when you got like this much, when you got a third of it left, that's when you're like, okay, go ahead and start my next one because it's going to yeah. take that, that much time. 
<laughs> to get it done. So that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, you've you've actually never been to Ireland, huh? No, never. But but like I said, I feel like this electric connection to the to just seeing the sights there. I guess it's hard coded somewhere in my genetic profile or something. Definitely, because you're a hundred percent Irish American. <laughs> I'm more like fifty percent. I don't have the exact percentages, but it's something in there. And yeah. I remember the first time I went, it's almost 30 years ago now. It was the summer of 1994. After I studied in England for a bit, my parents picked me up and then we went to Ireland. It was cool because we kind of went over to like Galway and then we drove down the southwestern oh, side. Cool down the southern tip, around back the eastern side, and then ended up in Dublin. So we, we did stay in cities, but we also stayed in bed and breakfasts in smaller mm-hmm. places and stayed at Ashford Castle, you know, one night, which sounds pretty fancy. But it was just being out in the country, you know. And, and I'm not going to say I didn't like Dublin, and I've been back to Dublin since, but Dublin is a good-sized city, and I've spent most of my life in or close to cities. And I just, I really appreciated being kind of in the smaller towns in the countryside and the people mm-hmm. who had kind of really been there for a long time. And this is their bed and breakfast. This is their family pub. This is their family bookstore, you know, whatever it might have been. I just, right. I found that experience really awesome. It seems like Dave really enjoyed his time there as well. I mean, he was only there for a few days and it's his first time ever being there after 78 years because he was kind of a workaholic back in the day, right? I mean, he just... He took his show very seriously. He worked hard at it. He was also someone who never really, he was hard on himself. I mean, I think he was hard on others too, but he was really hard on himself. Like he'd go in after the show like, okay, yeah, you flubbed that one, jerk. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, oh, that wasn't your best joke, was it? You know, like he was really (laughs) tough on himself. And so hopefully he's he's learned to give himself a little bit of a break on that kind of stuff. It it really seemed like he he was interested in being kind of one with the people when he Mm -hmm. went there, like learning about not like, well, you know, in America, we do this. And probably he's like, what, you know, what's, I've never been here before. What's going on? Mm-hmm. I'm here to interview these guys, you know, kind of take me through what's happening here. When he went down to the, what what, are the, what was the beach called? The 40? 40 foot. Or, the, yeah. They just called it the 40 foot, I think. Yeah, the 40 foot. He, he, ge- he genuinely seemed interested in why people were insane enough to go into the water. And, but, but he knew that it was important to them. So, right. so you could feel like he was interested in hearing their story as to why they would do this. And, he, and obviously he felt some kind of draw or connection to that place. Yeah. And it wasn't just a story about you two. It was a mm-hmm. story about Dublin and it was a story really about Ireland and how much it has changed. Right. Not just in the last hundred years, because it's, it's really only been a country for about a hundred years officially uh, after they revolted against the English. But in the last 50 years... Ireland has gone under huge changes mm-hmm. uh, socially and culturally, and that's kind of what it's about. And and in the last 50 years, there's been you too. And it was kind of cool to see how their origin story, it, they didn't go huge in-depth into it, but they just kind of said, look, here we are. We went to a school. It was kind of an experimental school in that it was for people of all denominations, mm-hmm. right? All religions, where it used to, that wasn't the case. Like you go to Catholic school or you go to Protestant school, that's it. Right. But Bono was talking about how great it was. Like <laughs> we went to this experiment. Not only was it like people who were Protestants and Catholics, but there were girls there. Yes. Yes. So I didn't realize. I mean, I knew they met when they were young. The band. I didn't realize that they were that young. That they were in high school. And I also or, didn't or even realize, middle school. I mean, you know, yeah. it was so long ago. Yeah. I didn't realize that while Bono and the Edge kept their names, they all had names mm-hmm. in the or nicknames in school. And yeah, uh, I think what was Larry Mullen was Jam Jar and (laughs) Adam Clayton was Mrs. Burns. Right. So I see now why some of those names didn't stick. I do too. It doesn't exactly (laughs) light up the marquee. (laughs) On Uh, the drums, Jam Jar. uh, I don't like that. No. And and Bono's full name was Bono Vox something or other that I guess was a store name or a product or something. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then the edge is cool because we used to think of he just gave it to himself. It's like, okay, everybody call me the edge, like, that's, okay, you know, whatever. What I, the, you yeah. Know. Well, yeah, but the, the crazy part is that's what he calls him. Yeah. But he's like, hey, so the edge, what are we doing? You know, are you ready for I'm like, well, he really. Or, or just edge, but it's yeah, it's not like he calls him, what's his real name? Paul or Jimmy or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but I mean, it's been so long. And it wasn't like, like you said, it wasn't like he showed up at the rehearsal like, I want everybody to call me The Edge from now on. It was just a nickname. It stuck. And then 50 years later, he's still using it. David Howell Evans. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's not as cool. 
He ne- but he never. But in the whole thing, he never. And I think Bono's real name is Paul. I think that's right. Um, Paul Houston, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. But they, yeah, they never. They don't. That's just their name now to them. I know. And you know what's also amazing because they got started so young, even though they've been around almost 50 years, they're still not that old. Like Edge turns right. 62 this year. Which is, you know, it's old for a rock star, but you figure, I mean, the Stones are damn near 80, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the guys in Genesis are all over 70, and even Steve Harris, I think, is 67 or 68. And, you know, he got started young. So, yeah, I mean, they still got some pretty good years ahead of them here, even though they've got 40-plus solid years in the band together. Yeah, and it, I think Edge said he was like 18 when they when they first started, when they first started rolling. So yeah, to think you've been doing this your entire life. And on that note, hopefully, fingers crossed, all of them have miles to go. Because apparently Larry Mullen is not in a good shape right now. Oh, is that right? That's they said injury. Yeah, you know he had an injury, and then Adam was doing the movie. I'm like, Inj- what injury are we talking about? Apparently, his neck and and elbows and everything are all messed up. I guess he took a break during COVID and was like, "Yeah, I don't, I'm really not feeling this anymore." So he's got some pretty heavy duty surgery and rehab to to come back from. Mm. I guess he he saw what Phil Collins was going through or he, uh, what he is going through now. It's like I don't want to end up like that. No. I want to I want to be able to play. I want to be able to play well. And so he's got to get this done to um, to hopefully come back and rejoin the band. Well, I mean, that's the thing about being the drummer. You know, if there's any one instrument or any one job within the band that's the most physically demanding, other than the voice, of course, but you can do things to help keep your voice in shape that aren't that physically difficult. Mm -hmm. Everybody replaces their drummer eventually, especially when there's a six or a seven at the front of their age. Yeah. (laughs) So, and you know, what's, what's kept them together all these years, quite frankly, it's not just that great friendship that they built when they were little kids in Ireland, in a divided Ireland during the height of the troubles of the seventies. But it's also the fact that they all share the royalties on the songs equally Mm -hmm. and the, the tour money equally. They all have the same amount of money. Basically, whereas a long time ago, Bono could have gone solo or Edge could have gone to do his own thing. They he they had a great line about that, about how, you know, they were standing on stage. And, oh, we'll get to that. Oh, okay, we'll get okay. to that. Yes. Um, no spoilers yet. Well, but the the what I thought was interesting is that it's not called U2. They don't mention U2 anywhere in the title or anything. It's Bono and the Edge. That's and right. then at the at the very end at the credits, there was a cool thing about saying, "Hey, we really appreciate thanks to to Larry and Adam for letting us go rogue on this one." That's right. So they they make it very clear this is not this is not the band. This is just these two guys. That's right. That's right. Although I do think they participated in the songs of surrender. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm just talking about for the show itself. But for the show, yeah, the <laughs> yeah. show, and it was great. <laughs> Hi, this is Jim Cregan, and you're listening to The Ugly American Werewolf in London. And they're just the best. So we walked through it a little bit here. Yeah. You know, they have some montages about them growing up and, and early days of the band and stuff like that. And, you know, have, being on The Letterman Show and how they're friends with Dave and all that kind of thing. To me, it's about some of the interviews he does with them, the interviews he does with folks out and around Dublin, including at 40 foot. And, but then it's about two different, I guess you could call them performances. And one is in the rotunda there that used to be a hospital Mm -hmm. in Ireland where they had quite a lot of musicians, including strings and singers and and all that kind of thing. And a nice size audience. And then the other was in a pub, yeah, a pub (laughs) that was was established in 1779. So Mm -hmm. basically as old as the United States of America is, but those two performances were what we'll talk about here. And it was cool to see Jimmy Iovine, who's been, you know, their producer and collaborator and good friend Mm -hmm. for so long, talking Mm -hmm. about how they didn't just want to entertain people. They, you know, they wanted to be earnest and they wanted to do stuff that was important. And Jimmy's like, you know how to sell 20 million records or what copies of one record. That's great. But to change, to evolve, to move forward, to do something different, to break out of your comfort zone, that's hard, you know, and and Bono's like, I'm rarely in my comfort zone. And the band (laughs) At this point, is used to me pushing them out of their comfort zone because that's just what you have to do. You can't just make Unforgettable Fire 2 or Joshua Tree 2. You've got to go forward. Yeah, he, he had a, Iovine had a pretty good comment. Uh, said He said, your biggest competition 
is wanting to be safe. You know, mm-hmm. just doing the same thing over and over again. He doesn't look like somebody I'd want to mess with, though, to be honest with you. He looks like a very forceful, like when he's got an idea, like this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you, you mean, Iovine or yeah. Ivana? Yeah. No, no, Iovine. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, thanks to Beats, he's uh, unpoor at this point. <laughs> I mean, it was funny if you watch like Inventing David Geffen or whatever that documentary on him was, or it might have even been the, was it the outliers, the game changer? I can't, they did a story. They did a two part thing on like Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre yeah. who are, you know, collaborators and friends and, and doing beats has made them incredibly wealthy. And Geffen was like, you know, you can't make that much money being a producer. Well, to the average person, you can make a very good living being a producer. But when you're David Geffen and you're thinking about billions, not millions, <laughs> and he's like, you can't make that much money being a producer. So, you know, then Jimmy becoming like the head of Interscope and other things and doing beats. And yeah, he's a he's a pretty big deal now. But the thing is, he's a little dude. New Yorker, tough. Yeah. yeah. And very accomplished. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how tough he really is. I think he talks tough. I don't know if he's actually tough. <laughs> he's not Phil Spector tough. Right, right. Well, I don't know. But see, <laughs> if you got to carry a gun, maybe you're not that tough. Like Jimmy looks like he could probably fight a little bit, but but not he couldn't fight Dr. Dre, I don't think. I think Dre's got a few weight classes. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's That would be a foolish endeavor although one thing they were talking about the the one of the musicians glenn hansard Hansard, talk about one for the uh the time machine he was talking about the first time he ever saw u2 was in 1980 when they opened for the police in dublin oh my god that's so cool yeah yeah now, I think, did he win an Oscar or was at least nominated? I feel like he won an Oscar a while back, like maybe when Jon Stewart was uh, was hosting. He and his writing partner, I, I, I definitely remember them performing on the Oscars. I remember okay, them performing it could on the be. David Letterman yeah. show. But that guy was great. And running around on the dart, on the train, Glenn and Dave, you know, and then maybe being on the boardwalk and, and letting Glenn kind of tell some stories. Mm-hmm. He was a great addition, not only sonically during the performance, but kind of to tell the story of you two and to tell the story of making music in Ireland. He was special. And I, I think Dave had a crush on him because he had those, <laughs> I don't know those what it super like. blue eyes, yeah, you know? Yeah. And they had you the could tell he has a good soul because of those eyes, but yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, take, take it easy though. Dude. Just do, do you want to be alone? Can, yeah, I know. The camera guy was probably. <laughs> All right, but let's talk about some of the songs that they reworked here. Mm. And doing Vertigo acoustic was kind of the first one they did it in the round in that rotunda thing there. And the hospital where a lot of people in Dublin were born, apparently, Mm -hmm. until it became converted. It was great with the strings, you know, to, to hear, you know, cellos and maybe some violins in there. I don't know. The impression I got, though, it was good to see Edge smiling. Because Edge is usually pretty serious. And if you look at those old videos... Yeah. Especially like and still haven't found what I'm looking for. So he's, he's like, he's like, would you get that camera off of me? You know, I think people are dying in the world. I'm not smiling, you know, but it was good to see him a smiling and having a good time. And B is how good he was without all his little toys, mm-hmm. right? with all his little pedals. I'm not saying he had no effects, but that's kind of his reputation. He, he has all these toys and he experiments with all the new and latest stuff. Not a, no reverb, no echo, no phaser, none of that stuff. It was basically just him on the acoustic. He was very good. Jungle is your head, can't roll your heart. Feeling so much stronger than a thought. Your eyes are white and though your soul it can't be bought. Your mind can wander. Hello. Well, you were saying he doesn't smile because at those performances, he's trying to do about 12 things at the same time. Right. Play the guitar and the piano and everything else. Although it, I did like that the rendition of Vertigo. I was a little disappointed when I went back and listened to the, the songs of Surrender that it wasn't the same thing. Because I like the part where he goes, hello, hello. And then you hear Edge, hola. Right. And that, that's not in the, I'm like, that's the best part to hear him do that, uh, to have him do the, the side piece to that. And he's really got a great voice. He not does. as great as Bono. I understand that. Thank you. But to do the background, to do the harmonies, he's fantastic. He's awesome. He, he's such a huge part of U2. We'll get 
a little bit more into that later. But then they kind of jump back to what it was like growing up in Dublin during this time in the 70s. And talk about something that was called charismatic renewal, which mm-hmm. are people who were trying to, you know, be spiritual, but maybe take some of the religious aspects out of it, or at least the organized religious aspects. So you're not just Catholic, or you're not just Protestant kind of thing. And I guess they were attracted to these guys and, you know, they kind of became part of their crew. And then it was like they said, OK, well, look, if we're going to do this, it is going to become more religion. And you guys got to stop doing this rock and roll thing. You got to focus on doing real work in the world, yeah. not just, you know, playing on your little guitars or whatever. And I guess Edge was having a hard time reconciling that. And then that's where he came up with Sunday, Bloody Sunday. It's basically taking this rage and this, you know, what was inside of him and turning it into something like that. And Bono saw that. He's like, whoa, that's transcendent. That's the real thing. And he said it was great lines like, that's why I'm with this dude, Mm. because he can do that. And then, of course, they, they kind of showed him playing it acoustically. And then they cut to Red Rocks, which is iconic. I got to tell you, back in the day. Oh, it says live in Red Rocks. When I was nine or ten, when that when I first saw that, I don't know where Red Rocks is. I don't know. Oh, that's in Boulder, outside of Denver. Like I, to me, that looked like some kind of crazy place in Eastern Europe because it had the flames and the rocks. Yeah. I'm like, that's in the mountains of like you know the former Soviet Union, or at the time it still was the Soviet <laughs> Union, or the Eastern Bloc country somewhere. It just it looked like someplace not of this earth. Now I've been there, you know. It's it's not it's cool, but it's. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a real place. But they cut to that. I'm like, yeah, that was why. That's what really helped them hit it big in America was that video. Mm-hmm. Not not the video, the normal video of Sunday Bloody Sunday or the video of like New Year's Day, which was helpful. But it's like that video of them at Red Rocks. You two, I mean, Bono kind of marching, got the flag in there, Edge doing his thing. You can see the, you know, the breath in the air, badass classic video which we talked about on what was that episode 116 about war yeah we talked about war it, it was it was great to hear bono re recount the tale of yeah watching edge play that and just thinking wow this is a real song like we can really we can really do something that's more than just random you know the teenage rock and roll stuff and then i think it, i think it was glenn was talking about what see watching that same performance at red rock saying red rock saying this is our fight. This is our struggle. They're bringing this to the world. How right. great is that to see that on a big screen like this or a big venue that that it uh, was being displayed? And you're right. I didn't know where Red Rocks was. I thought it was the coolest place. It's like, a you know, the side of a mountain that they carved out to have this yeah. concert. And then, I mean, I, I'd never seen anybody there before. So to me, Red Rocks is always synonymous with you too now. That's right. That's right. And you know the, the big cauldron flames going mm-hmm. there, which I'm not sure they even do that. I, they didn't do that when I was there. <laughs> but amazing, iconic, changed the game. And see, it even changed. It was cool that it changed it for Glenn, too, because it's one thing to be an American and see this and, and listen. Oh, well, there are troubles in Ireland. You know, for us, yeah. our distant relatives or ancestors are from there. But it was great that it had that effect on the Irish kids who were mm-hmm. part of that struggle, too. And then they go into... Um, you know, doing I'm wide awake because it's, it's like the first song that they wrote about Dublin. Mm-hmm. And they say, and we called it bad because it was bad back then. But really? Dublin has, has changed so much. The pictures that they showed when they were doing that montage of the old pictures, like everything is just beat up, burned down, burned out. Like it, imagine growing up in that, like, ooh, I know. just very depressing. black and white. And, yeah. And you know, it, it was remnant of, or it, it reminiscent of, like England post-World War II. It's like, that, well, yeah, but that was bombed out because the Nazis were bombing the hell you. This is Catholics and Protestants. I'm like, God, don't you know you're both wrong? You know, I'm sorry. But, you know, it's, and, and you're telling, it's the same story, you know, and, and uh, just, I just, I never got that. Yeah, the the one thing that this was all the way at the beginning, like probably one of the first things that that Bono said was when they grew up, for them growing up in Ireland, the future was somewhere else. Yeah, and and we talked about that during the war episode, but yeah, just imagine that growing up in a place it's like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. This place, it, it's, there's got to be something better for me somewhere else than this. And that's and then, that, that's a, the American Irish tale, right? I mean, that's right. why there's 35 million of us over here because, and there's only <laughs> six million back there. It's like we got out. Yeah. You don't want to be under British rule, basically. Even though you're independent, you're, they still step on your neck for the most yeah. part. Whereas in America, they're not stepping on our neck anymore, and we can make money. Where it's like, yeah, there's just still not that much opportunity. There's more, but it's still not the same. 
you know, what did he say? The the Ireland is a uh, is an island in the North Sea that's uh, brutalized by bad weather and horrible neighbors. Yep. <laughs> yeah, nasty neighbors, you know. And I loved it when he was like drawing the map for days. He's like, okay, I want to hate somebody. Who do I hate? Yeah. Do I, do I hate yeah. the English? And Tom was like, no, no, because he's a nice guy. I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, you hate the English. Right. That's the answer. Correct. Correct. <laughs> but then when they do, when the streets have no name, which I guess the video was was them on top of the of the building. What was that in L.A.? Yeah, correct. Yeah, like a like a Beatles redo, but yeah, it was in L.A. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave's with the edge when he's playing around in the studio. They're showing him how to do it. And, he's, and then he tells him about it. He goes, will you please just, will you do that again? Will you just do that one more time? Which is exactly what, what we would do, right? He's like, Correct. can you just do that again? I'm just standing here. Do that again for me, please. And like, way to go, Dave. You know, yeah. don't just be like, well, I have to be this serious like interviewer. No, be a fan. Geek out. Be like, oh, that's so cool. Do that for me right. again. What I, you know, sometimes Bono can get a little height, I don't know what to say, a little haughty or high-minded in the way he describes his own stuff. Mm -hmm. But he's like, you know, the lyrics maybe weren't fleshed out that great, but basically what the story of the song is, there's a transcendent place that we can go to together. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go? And that's kind of, and then when you understand it from that perspective... And you can you know that iconic intro from Edge, and then when Adam comes from the boom, 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 yeah. the bass comes, in, you're like, yes, that is what that is about, isn't it? I get that now. Yeah, I have to say that before we started doing this whole thing, I would, I was, I would consider myself a YouTube fan. I mean, I like them, blah, blah, blah. but after after going through a couple of records and watching this perform, watching this uh, documentary thing. I'm a really big fan of these guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can't deny when they show, when they, especially when they cut to that song, like at the stadium show, and then the whole place starts to bounce. Yes. I'm like, oh yeah, here we go, man. This is yeah. the real thing right here. And I didn't love that. I didn't love that song when we were younger just because I felt like MTV played the hell out of it. Like they kind of forced it down your throat. Like you mm -hmm. will like this. This is an important <laughs> song. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I, I don't have to like it. You know, I mean. I will, but I mean, don't don't force me to like it. But now it's it's the power of it mm -hmm. is is amazing. Then there's a transition here where they went to this drag queen called Panty Bliss, I believe was her name. No, ready. And just talking about how Dublin had changed, like like in the 70s and 80s, it was just it was still very much promoting that very Catholic and family thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like it was it was overly conservative. Like you know, you will have a kid, and then the woman will not work. You know, or you know, we will just be you know kids and kids and more kids, and that's it. And talking about how she wanted out, uh, and that's why she went to Japan. And then yeah. when you and it didn't like you too because they kind of fell into that whole image of Ireland, even though that's not what they were going for. That was, they were just kind of part of that that rock boy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But when they came on Zoo TV, when they realized, okay, look, we got to blow this thing up. If we're going to be in stadiums anyway, let's do it over the top, right? And then Bono kind of adopted that Mephisto character where he's right. kissing himself in the mirror and then became the aging rock star. And then she's like, okay, well, actually, they, they get it. They're kind of part of this whole thing. And it made her want to come back <laughs> to be in her own country, which is now very liberal. I mean, I would say more so than England is, yeah? That, that's what really, that, when he first started into that story, with her i was like where are we going with this like i don't understand how this fits in but then they brought it back around where you know she was on stage and she mm -hmm. you know said some couple of lines and yeah i didn't realize that at all about about ireland is that it's way more progressive than i would have ever guessed to have that 180 around from being very you know you're either catholic or you're protestant but it was very everything to have this like yeah yeah now, now we're much more open to people i didn't know that at all so that was that was very eye-opening. Yeah, uh, early adopters of gay marriage, apparently, Correct. you know. Yeah, and, I think they, were, they said they were the first country to, to ever have an uh, open vote on that. Which is amazing, yeah. I, yeah. I, had, I had no clue, you know. And then, you know, of course, eventually, uh, with a little help from Bill Clinton, you know, they had the uh, Good Friday Accord, and, and mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff has, has stopped. A lot of it has bubbled back up, partly thanks to Brexit, because now you have to have this border there. But, you know, we're not going to get too all into that, because I want to get more into the performance and the stuff here. 
after that, they go to one, mm-hmm. and 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 it's on the piano edge is a fine piano player, and they do one on the piano. And the insights into one, obviously, it was a huge hit. It was the big hit while we yeah, were was massive back getting then. to know each other when we were freshmen at, at college. It was the U two album that was out, Akun Baby, there, mm-hmm. and. It was always kind of billed as this song that saved the band in that the band were in Berlin and they were kind of having a hard time. I don't know if it was getting along, but but band dynamic and writing the songs wasn't the same as it was. And the way they talk about it now, and there's a great documentary of them going back there, is like the band was on the verge of breaking up and it was damn close to happen. Mm-hmm. And then Edge had, you know, they do them in mysterious ways and there was a couple of bridges that he was working through where they're kind of jamming through some bridges and like, here's a bridge. And it, you know, it kind of sounded a little bit like mysterious race. It goes, there was a second bridge. And then he goes in the chords, which is obviously one. Mm-hmm. And it's like something changed. And Bono's like, get me an acoustic guitar at the speed of light. And they kind of put this song together and it saved the band. I guess he was talking about duality, which is a kind of a high minded concept. He even invoked mm-hmm. Keith Richards names there. It's duality. <laughs> His Mona Lisa smiling. Right, you know. So you put yourself in this juxtaposition, but then he kind of realized you don't have to resolve everything. You don't have to have the answers for everything. You mm-hmm. don't have to be so righteous that you have to guide everybody down every path. And so it's almost like you could hear that it's it's almost like Bono versus you two because he talked about how his activism has taken to some places yeah. where maybe they didn't always want to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and he said, who who was the, the I can't I thought I had that written down the senator guy that he they had done Jesse the, Helms. yeah the, yeah the the AIDS bill with it, but he but he had also gutted the National Endowment for the Arts and Edge was like do not bring this guy to the concert do not right. and well yeah, but I did yep. and it's just like that oh you're just trying to rub me the wrong way with all of this and yeah that's what he said he he pushes them he brings them out of their comfort zone. And they they do lock horns with uh, yeah. his ideals sometimes. Yeah, and you know, I mean, he helped get half a billion dollars for HIV that would go to Africa. That's a big deal. Now it came Correct. from our taxes, but he was a big champion of it. Working with this guy Jesse Holmes, who's you know, conservative is not the right word. Reactionary is probably the, the better <laughs> word. Most people are not. Most people of a certain mindset are, are not a big fan of his. And yeah, it's just like, don't you bring him? Yeah, but they didn't break up over it. And. No. That's the kind of thing that could. It's if if you or I did something like that to each other, we we might have had some distance from each other for a while after it's, something like that. I mean, especially when you tell. I mean, it's not like, well, you know how I feel. I told you. I right. told you to your face. Do not do this. And you're like, mm, I'm doing it anyway. Did yeah, it that anyway. would that would cause some hard times. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at the lyrics. You know, you know, we're one as a band, but we're not the same. You know. Mm-hmm. Have you come here to play Jesus to the lepers in your bed? Like, are you, you know, what are you here for? Are you know, here to promote your thing? Or are you here to, to look, to ask us to, to be a part of it? That kind of thing. And it was done very well. And at the end, you saw Edge get up and he gave him a hug afterwards. I think yeah. this song one mm-hmm. is the most important song they've ever done. I'm not going to say it's the best. I'm not going to necessarily even say it's my favorite, but I think it's the most important song that they've ever done for themselves and, and for the world. Do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame, you say. One love, one life. It's one need in the night. At the end of the deal, at the end of the song, when he they kind of fade out and he just says, you know, we're one, we're the same, sisters. And then he looks at him and he says, brother. brother. I'm not crying. It's here in your eyes. You're yeah, crying? Yep. That was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, yeah. and, he, and he hugged him afterwards, even though they've been in the other's pockets for 50 years. Right. You know? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And but I think, but I think the whole thing with that is that's why he never turned into this giant, complete asshole because right. he had these guys in his life that were like no dude you are still no matter no matter what you've done no matter what you think no matter you know where you go you are still this kid from dublin right. we're all in this together we're all still you know we we keep each other grounded it was dublin 
Well, he also said being in Dublin, like they didn't move to London. They didn't move to L.A., even though they might spend time in those places. They didn't move to the south of France, even though they may have homes there for the summer. They all stayed in Dublin. And I think staying in Dublin over all that time, not too far from each other, I think that's what's helped ground them and keep them together. Yeah, and you, and Dave was talking about like you know most bands get into get into it to smoke weed and meet girls or something, and he's like, well, you know, we, we can still get to that part, right? Yeah. But it, it, that's the thing is they yeah they just I, they just never let themselves go too far, get too I get just get too overwhelmingly caught up in their personalities. Yeah, yeah, and then it goes into that part you were alluding to earlier, where he's like. You know, the thing I don't like about Edge, the thing I don't like about you <laughs> is that he doesn't need me. Yeah. Because he can write songs and he can perform the music and he can sing. He doesn't need Bono. And you know what? He's right. Absolutely. Ed- Edge can go out and just be the Edge, just like Noel Gallagher can just go out and be Noel Gallagher. He doesn't need Oasis. Although mm-hmm. I saw something about Noel saying, hey, Liam, you got my management's number. You can give me a call. Because I guess Liam had alluded, maybe it's time. And Noel's like, all right. That would be huge. Maybe it's happening. I don't know. But I would go back to my same thing. We'll have a quick segue here real quick. If they say yes, you better get tickets for the first show because there may not be a second one. Yeah, there's definitely not going to be a 50th. (laughs) Then Bono says the best friends are the ones that you can have the arguments with and and, and that's us. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's you and me too, pal. That's why we, <laughs> we do this show when we've done 120 and we've got a thousand left because we can get into, I like this. No, that's not their best <laughs> because we have that trust of each other. It's like, even if we don't agree, we still can agree to disagree. Right. And I, and I like what, what Edge said too, about how, you know, he, I don't like you because you could, you could go and do all these things. And he's like, yeah, but it wouldn't be fun. Like this, it like this, fun. it's, yeah, it's still, that's the thing. That's what keeps me coming back is that it's still fun. And at this point in time, there can't be that many people that they relate to other than the guys in the band. Each like, other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe Dave in a, in a weird way. Cause he's, he at one point in time was really famous. So you can't like, if you, if you were to go and work with just regular people, they'd be, oh my God, every everything that you every word that comes out of your mouth is gold. Every chord that you play is from the angel. You gotta have somebody to tell, like we were like you were saying, you know what? That's not good. That's right. Dumb. Play something else, play it better. You know, just that's not a good idea. But the thing that he was talking about on the phone, six thousand voice uh voice notes. Where he right. gets up in the at, at night and he just plays something on the guitar. You know how many voice notes I have on my phone? Like ten, and they're all screaming at something or incoherent right. or something ridiculous. They're, it's a grocery list or something. Yeah, oh my goodness! I know it's it, it's amazing that they've stuck together all that, and then they did stuck in a moment, which I guess could be like an argument. Okay, you're stuck on this side of things. You need to kind of get get past this. But Edge got up so high. Oh yeah, on that you know, like yeah. wow, look at him go. He's still so amazing, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And then they go to the forty foot, which I guess is a place where people go swimming year round. I don't care if it's yeah ten below. I don't care if it's. 85 which it rarely is um <laughs> but they go swimming it's kind of like the polar bear club they go in there every day and dave's like you're crazy i'm not doing this but we'll kind of come back to that i also thought after that there's a kind of a special moment of glenn i guess at a train station or or maybe at a boardwalk or something like that saying a poem that he had memorized and maybe not a hundred percent word for word but he he basically got got it it's talking about carrying the songs and, and talking about how you know the last people who carried them didn't even own their bodies. Talking about slaves yeah. in the new world. They didn't have anything, but they had the songs. And those songs come forward. They come to the American South. That was poignant. And and I like to think he just knew it anyway. I don't think he memorized it just for the sake of being on Dave's show. I, I think that's something that he, he carried yeah, with him. Yeah, that's that sounded like it. Like he, yeah, like he, that was special to him. And then he was talking about, he said, those who are the victors write the history those who suffered wrote the songs. So true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. It's amazing. It was an amazing moment, part of it. And then they go to the pub, which is cool. And you can see there's some other musicians there that are mm-hmm. singing and playing guitar. And then they're in like this library and said, yeah, at three in the morning, we kind of started this song about you, Dave. <laughs> he puts up his phone to have the beat. Bono's got lyrics and talk about this 40 foot man always doing the best that he can. It's about Dave. And he provided the inspiration to them. They sang it to him right there and then. Yeah. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And, and it was interesting because he kind of made it like he, you could tell he was taken back 
and he made a joke about how, oh, you know, what is this like, you know, on demand or something, or, you know, you can, you can, you get paid or a YouTube song on demand. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what he was saying. They're like, no, it, it has nothing to do with that. It's, we were inspired to write this for you. And you could really see, it was like, oh, wow. That's, yeah. that meant a lot to him. Came across this forty-foot man, a colossus on our tiny island. We nearly lost him up on Sandy Coast Strand, but he, being swept away, was part of his plan. And he's had a lot of great things happen to him. It's like, and this is certain, certainly a highlight. I'm like, can you, can you imagine that? Yeah. I, I can't. I can't. And he didn't cry. He didn't break down. I absolutely would have. I'd still be crying. Dude, yeah. That was like two months ago. Stop it. I know, but we're sitting there. You know, the the one thing too about the the performance in the in the the old hospital and then the one in the in the bar. I don't know how much production went into either one of those, but Bono's voice still sounds really good. I know. I know, it's, especially considering how much he's used it over the years. Like, mm -hmm. there must be some strain on there somewhere, but he's he's obviously taking care of it. Hi, this is Steve Hackett, and you're listening to The Ugly American Werewolf in London. Got to get to Sunday Bloody Sunday. Okay. Because then they go to Sunday Bloody Sunday, and he's like, what a thrill it is to finish it after yeah. all these years. And I'm like, what do you mean finish it? It was finished. It's an amazing song. It's changed the world already. But he's like, you know, I couldn't have written it 40 years ago, the way mm -hmm. I wrote it now. And yes, some of these songs, they're not just reworked musically and sonically, but they changed some of the lyrics to it. Right. Uh, and yeah, to see that in front of people was huge. And I like how they, they, they had the lyrics up on the, on the screen, like written out. And then they, you know, the original was crossed out and then they, you know, they wrote out the new, the new stuff that he was doing that it's not totally different. Like, I mean, if you weren't paying attention, you might even miss that the, these were some new of lyrics. it. You wouldn't, yeah. You yeah. Wouldn't yeah. yeah. But it, it is pretty heavy duty. And the, the one thing about the songs of surrender, you are really playing with fire with this because these are songs that people have loved for a long time that now you're going to mm -hmm. mess with. The other thing too, is when you strip everything else away, the lyrics are a lot more present and upfront and, and pointing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if the, yeah, there, there are a couple of songs that I listened to where I was like, well, I never heard that before because you were mm -hmm. listening to the whole song and not just the lyrics, but yeah, Sunday, bloody Sunday. It's just the two of them, at least on, on the, the record. Yeah. It, it sounds like one guitar, the voice. I think he's doing the um, percussion with his feet would be my guess okay. on the floor and then to hear bono sing and then the edge sing the the chorus in the back i'm hoping they did it together in the same studio it's not the same but it's it's they take it kind of in a in a more poignant direction without the without the drums and everything else beating the, the right kind take of take away moving. the volume take away yeah. the power of you yes. too and what yeah. is this song and usually I'm like, it's fine if you want to do an acoustic set to rework songs. But if you really change songs, usually I don't like that. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, you're, you're messing it up. Right. It's a this certain way for right. a reason. And you're just changing it for the sake of changing it. And I'm not going to say I love every version of every song they did out of the 40 on this box set. But I got to say, for the most part, I, I really do like it. I mean, how do you feel about people going back and, and changing their stuff from the past? Like, Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Usually I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you mess with this? This is what I like. This is the way I like it. You're going to you're going to put different stuff to it or or it's going to be, you know, an all acoustic set. OK, but yeah, they, they did different things to them. I, I didn't love them all, but the, there were a couple that I really liked. Obviously, Sunday, Bloody Sunday one was was good. It was huge. Yeah. Two Hearts, I thought mm. was kind of cool with the funky piano. Yeah. And and then the fly from Octung Baby, it just sounded greasy and nasty the way they did it. it. had a little funky beat to it. And and that was one where I listened to the lyrics a lot more than ever on the record. That's cool. Yeah. And look, I'm with you on a lot of those. I still would like to hear an Edge solo album at some point, just because it would be so different. And, and he could do it all himself with cool special guests and everything. Yeah, I would just like to. I mean, we. I just like to see it because it would be different. But I mean, if it means no U two or a break from U two, I guess I don't. I don't want that. They did show him in the studio, Bono singing a song that's been 
they've been working on for a decade. But what was really the cool part is this song, There Is No Them, There's yeah. Only Us, mm -hmm. which they showed in the rotunda with the crowd, with the strings, with all the other musicians. You got Glenn really jamming on his guitar and singing. But the really amazing version was in the pub. And, and they, it was interesting <laughs> to me that they didn't finish the show. The rotunda show, the, the performance in front of all the people, they didn't finish with that and them mm -hmm. taking a bow there. They finished with them in the pub singing that song with the friends and with the, the residents and, and the people who were invited. And Dave, yeah. you know, sitting there right there and then saying goodbye to Dave there. I thought that was cool as well. It's like, we're not just doing the big rock star thank you, good night thing. It's like, okay, we sang our song and now we all get to have our pints together. Yeah. Yeah, and I like when he he had the uh, the beanie on, and Edge was like, I'm, "I'm digging that look." He's like, "I bored because of you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Dave kept it light. You know, he's like, "Hey, you know who's playing the stadium night?" You no, know, Larry and Adam. You know, and I hear it's very good. You know, and, and you know he, he's doing his Dave thing. I'm like, okay, I figure, well, now it's over. But then they do show Dave mm -hmm. going to jump in that water, and, and at first I'm like, well, this is not a show about Dave. This is a show about you too. I'm like, no, you know what? Dave's a narrator, but it shows how yeah. you two can help you transform yourself. Mm -hmm. And a guy who never had been to this country before is like, I'm not getting in there. What are you, crazy? But then after he talks to everybody and sees the power of change and breaking through your fear zones, he's like, you know what? I need to go do this. I'm not going to not do this. I'm not going to go home saying, well, I didn't do that. I like the part where he first got there and he's like, yeah, there's a guy in the water there with a beard and the Santa hat. Well, just say that's me. That's <laughs> that's that's close enough. I'm not. Yeah, I'm exactly. not. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, look, I've seen you two a few times, always mm -hmm. in stadiums. So I'm kind of like, OK, well, if I never see you two again, that's fine. I paid a ton of money <laughs> to see them when they did Joshua Tree in its entirety in yeah. Louisville. So I'm like, all right, if, if that's my last U2 show, that's fine. But uh, I don't know if I am fine with that, I, especially since they're still in their early 60s. Mm -hmm. and, and and I heard Edge on something. Maybe it was an interview on NPR. I heard somewhere going, okay, we're working up something that's going to be really special. So they're going to do some kind of tour that's going to push boundaries or going to be different or something they haven't done before. So maybe that's one. And they seem to always come to Jacksonville for some reason, Jackson. So maybe that's yeah, when we fingers see crossed. Together. Yeah, that would yeah that would be huge. I'd like to see that whole Rotunda concert if they if they put that out because they they cut back and forth. They looked like they were there was some other stuff in there, um, and then Dave emceeing. So if they want to put that out, I'd like to see that. Well, also when Dave was doing was he swimming in the forty foot, they had a studio version of Forty Foot Man. Mm -hmm. Not just the one they sung to him kind of impromptu in the library there, but they had one that had kind of like been produced and had some music on it. So yeah, you gotta wonder is that gonna be released or is that just kinda they just did that for Dave and it's yeah. part of this show. Who knows? But they they've got the ability to do whatever they want in mm -hmm. the world. And it sounds like because they were talking to the in the library, they want to keep going. Like, and at various times they've said, maybe I shouldn't, or maybe it's it's time to, to bow out or, or to do something else. He's like, no, I still have stories to tell. Our songs are still evolving. And I still have this relationship with these guys. It was cool. And it's not it, like they downplayed Larry and Adam. They just weren't yeah, available. That's right. All. Right. Yeah. And and they and they didn't use the name U2. So obviously they're they're not saying that, you know, this was a this it had nothing to do with them. It's not, it's, it's a one-off that, what did they say? Go rogue at the end. Yeah. So the two of them are very much still involved. I hope that Larry gets better. I hope he rejoins the band. It sounds like that's what he wants to do. And yeah, if they come back around, I feel like now I'm, I'm compelled to see them play live. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Also, just one quick thing. They, they did transition to being everything has to be super earnest to the point where it's like, OK, we're we're this huge rock band now. So we, we, we kind of got to do things different. It's not like we won't care about people in the world. It's not like we suddenly are only interested in ourselves. But to transition, like to be able to do a song like Beautiful Day, mm -hmm. I don't think they could have done that in the 80s. 
but but then they they got to the point where they could and they said okay yes we are big rock stars we can blow this up and we can send a positive message it doesn't just have to be remember the starving people in Africa no, it Correct. can be other things it's like where their country woman Sinead O'Connor kind of never figured that out you know yeah and, yeah it, right yeah. and like it's like she, yeah she got big but it's like oh she's got this great earnestness and this great voice and she looks different and it's like eventually it's like okay not every moment of every day is horrible. <laughs> Roger Waters, you know, it's like not every company on earth is the most horrible thing that's grinding you into paste, you know, yeah. and I know we need to fight against that, but can you write a love song? Can you be happy over a meal? You know, mm-hmm. can you just take it easy once in a while? You don't have to be upset all the time. And I feel like you two, as well as anyone in the world has struck an incredible balance on that stuff. Yeah. And that's why I'm glad when they put out that greatest hits record, they included the sweetest thing. Mm-hmm. Or that was a that was an outtake from the Joshua Tree that they just weren't ready to to put out at that time. It wouldn't it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't. Eh, what is this? But then at that point in time, like you said, they come far enough where they're like, you can put a song like this out. It doesn't really mean anything. It's light. It's airy. Yeah, not everything yeah. has to be doom and gloom. That's right. That's right. Not everybody has to be educating us on societal ills. It could just be a love song. You know, that's or it that's, could just be a pop song. A beautiful day. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, that is our happy take on Bono and the Edge, a sort of homecoming with Dave Letterman, available on Disney Plus in the U.S. And I have to say, if you've got the chance to see it, if you've got it available to you on whatever streaming service, I think it has to be Disney Plus, but definitely check that out. It was a welcome surprise because I didn't know it was coming out. And then one day they said, hey, on St. Patrick's Day, you're going to get this special show. It's not you two. Because Larry and Adam won't be there. It's just Bono and The Edge doing their thing in an intimate way. I knew Songs of Surrender was coming out. I had already pre-ordered it once I knew where my address would be in the U.S. so they could send it to me. And I was excited for that. But then at the same time, we're going to get this show that really explains how they worked out some of those songs and what some of those songs really meant. And then to have someone like Dave put his take on it, have him as a pilgrim kind of discovering Dublin and Ireland today and get an education on it from Edge and Bono. I thought it was a really cool show. And while the show at the Rotunda was obviously special and really cool, I thought the performances at McDade's were very special. And that's where I would have wanted to be. If you said you could go to one of those two performances, but not both, which one would you go to? I would have taken McDade's in a heartbeat. Just very special. It just kind of really shows who they are. And like Jackson, I was not a huge U2 fan before we started doing this show. Of course, I like you two. And I know they held a special place in the pantheon of rock and roll stars and bands from over the decades. Obviously, they played a role in our childhood growing up on MTV. As they grew up, we grew up. But I got to say, after watching this and after doing a couple of the album reviews we've done, I just have a lot of respect for them as artists. Forget what they do for the world. Just the music that they put together, the songs that they write are generational. They're special. And hey, if they also do some good for the world, hey, all the more power to them. That's great. So we want to know. Do we get something right? Do we get something wrong? Do we miss the point? Do we leave out your favorite part? You have got to let us know. Please email us uglyamericanwerewolf at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want to know which bands, which albums, which movies, which concerts, which books, what are the rock properties you want us to talk about, go in depth on, on the show. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at ugly underscore werewolf or at actionjack72. We have a nice following on Instagram these days. We are on YouTube. It's mostly our shows, but occasionally I might pop a video up on there. I think we're on Facebook somehow, thanks to Instagram. But please do follow us. And we want you to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, be it iTunes, Spotify, Good Pods, Podbean, Pocket Cast, Stitcher. It doesn't matter where. But please, if you're thinking about it, folks, please go out and give us a positive review. It is like gold for finding more rock fans like you. And we're trying to grow our show. We've had a wonderful month of March. That's been fantastic. We appreciate you helping spreading the word. But put out a positive review wherever you get your podcast. It just helps us find more rock and rollers like you out there. And that's exactly who we're looking for. And we have to, of course, thank RareVinyl.com, our fantastic sponsor, where, hey, use the code PODCAST, save 10% off your orders, whether you're looking for some U2 stuff, whether it's newer stuff, first edition album, a CD, a poster, a tour program, whatever it might be, you can find it at rarevinyl.com. Thanks to Pantheon Pods. 
of which we are on part of that amazing network of music podcasts. And please stay tuned for next week. We're going to have a special guest on next week whom you might not know, but you should. And we'll be talking about an album out of the UK, a prog album that's celebrating a big anniversary this year. So you have to tune in for that. Make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. That's it for me, guys. I'm out. But until next time, to all of you rock and rollers all around the world, be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.